everyone in podcast listening land. I'm Karen Devaney. And I'm Ann Barner. And, and we're, we're sisters. Welcome to Sugarcoated Murder, where we'll discuss and probably inappropriately laugh about and comment on yep, one of our favorite subjects, murder. murder. Oh, and we love to bake. And why not combine our two favorite subjects? Baking and killers. Sisters, welcome to Sugarcoated Murder, where we'll discuss and probably inappropriately laugh about and comment on. Yep, one of our favorite subjects, murder. murder. Oh, and we love to bake. And why not combine our two favorite subjects, baking and killers? Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time you're listening to this podcast. Hello, hello, hello. Hey, Shugga, we have a great and wonderful guest with us today, and it is a dear, dear friend of ours. Her name is Andrea, and Andrea, introduce yourself to the world. Hello, I'm Andrea St. Amon, so happy to be here today with you ladies. Yay! Talk about a murder. Yes, this is not a shorty, everybody. This is a full-on episode, and we've got a guest, and we're so excited. That this is a first for us. Woohoo! Woo! Oh, right. I didn't know that. Here we go. It's a making voyage sharing murders. Oh my God. You know you've got a real friend when they want to come to your house and share murder. I'm telling you. <laughs> I mean, we just don't have a lot of we them. Don't. We don't. <laughs> Few and far between. There, we have a lot of friends that enjoy our company, but they don't enjoy it. They with don't want murder. to sit around and talk about murder. They don't seem what to. What is the matter with I them? Don't know. I feel like that's kind of negative on it their A little part. bit. They're going to need to rethink <laughs> some things. Yeah, I think they need to reprioritize their life. I agree. So, what are you fixing for us today, Shabba? Oh, well, I know that when the people out in listening land hear this, it won't be Pie Day, but today is. Pie day. Yep, So I decided that I was going to make mini pies. I love it. I'm going to do a mini cherry pie and a mini Mm. mini apple pie. Yum! Um, I've never made a mini pie before. I'm excited to see you struggle. Think of it. I've never even made a cherry pie before. Have you made an apple pie? I did once for Thanksgiving. Yeah, our mom makes incredible apple pies, so there really is no point in us making. Yeah, there really is. You know, unless we're going to be somewhere she isn't, and there's pie involved, which I'm not sure when that is ever. Well, when we're well, when we're with her, she makes a key lime pie because she, she she's mastered. She has she dedicated years pie. of her life to trying out different key lime pie recipes, and she finally decided to take one a little bit from different recipes, and she's made the perfect the key lime pie. Perfect key lime pie. You will definitely have to partake in that one day because definitely that it is an experience. Amazing. And she actually taught my daughter one year for my daughter's birthday. What my daughter wanted was for honey, that's what our kids call her, to teach her how to make her key lime pie. So they got all of the stuff together, and my daughter went over to her kitchen, and none of us were invited, and nope. they made key lime pie together. So now my daughter is has been handed down the key lime pie recipe. But it's secret from you guys. I don't think no, it's we secret. Haven't. It's just that we don't bother. Yeah. We Makes don't bother. Sense. Yeah. So, But Sarah has, has definitely successfully replicated that pie it's one of those recipes where mom tells you what to do but you know when she's making it she does something just a little bit different Mm -hmm. 
Because hers is always better. Right. Yes. And I think some of it is when you have, when you season your food, a little piece of you goes into your food. That, and I'm not saying it's your DNA, that, that sounds gross. But I'm saying <laughs> it's it, your energy. It's your energy goes into yeah. that food. And I think that when you are a kid and you eat your mom's food, you. <laughs> Now it's going to be all downhill. 
So Alexis is very independent. She is a social butterfly, of course, at 15 years old. She enjoyed sleepovers with friends, and she did it often. And she wasn't always good about leaving notes when she left the house, but, but she was working on it. It was something that her now stepdad had said, you really need to work on letting us know where you are going. And Jessica, the mom, said, you know, we gotta, this is something that you do when you're in a family. So on November 2nd, Jessica, the mom, is at home with Alexis. And Ryan had taken Aria to see his family out of town. Huh. So he called to say he was having some car trouble and asked Jessica if she could come get him at a gas station. This is like 940 at night. Jessica left to get him. She didn't have a cell phone, so she was like, okay, I'm just going to go straight there. He had called her from his cell phone that he had, but she didn't have one. So she goes straight to, so she tells Alexis, I got to go get Ryan. He's broken down. He's at a gas station on the way. So as she's um, leaving, she notices that there's a black SUV that pulls up into the driveway and just kind of sits there. But, you know, it's like as she's, as she's pulling out, this SUV kind of pulls up. Mm-hmm. And then she just doesn't think anything of it. She's just really mind on getting to Ryan and Aria. They pulled up in the driveway of her house. Mm-hmm. Pulled up kind of next to the driveway. And as she's pulling out and leaving in the rearview mirror, she kind of sees that black SUV pull up. And she's thinking it must be one of Jessica's friends. Okay. Alexis. I mean, Alexis. Yeah. Thank, God yeah. You're thank here. goodness. Oh, my gosh. We're going to get the story right this time. I, I actually have a little bit of morphine brain left over. So <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure I'm even here in South Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> Where am I? Where am I? Where have I woken up? We're not in Kansas anymore. As she's as she's leaving, she notices that Alexis comes out the door to head over to the SUV. So assumption is Alexis knows this person. Okay. Jessica goes all the way to this gas station, and there's no Ryan. Oh. And there's no broken down car. Oh. Right. So it's like she must have been so worried that he wasn't there when he said he was going to be there. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So Jessica's like, okay, I guess I'm going to take the route that I think he would have taken, and I'll see if maybe he's he took maybe decided to try to make it home because she didn't have a cell phone for him to call her in in route when when she was in route. She's like, okay. So when she gets home, there's no Alexis. There's no black SUV. There's no note from Alexis as to where she went. And there's no Ryan. So she's like, what the heck is happening? So a little while later, Ryan rolls up in his car, tells Jessica he had gotten the car to restart and kind of slowly crept home in this broken down car. Right. He also didn't have Ariel with him. Oh. And he said, well, I decided to leave Ariel with my parents for the night and come home. I'll go back and get her tomorrow. And Jessica gets very frustrated with Ryan because she says, Alexis is going to be mad as hell at you for not bringing her sister home. Because I guess not too long before this, there had been some strife in the in the relationship with Jessica and Ryan. And he had taken off and taken off with the baby for two weeks. Oh, my gosh. And so it really upset Alexis that he just, like, disappeared with her sister, baby sister. And she really kind of had a little bit of a, she still was feeling some butt hurt over that. <laughs> I don't know She's about that. Butt hurt. 
15-year-old say that, I think they'd say, I'm a little butthurt over that. So, anyway. I don't think that's what they would say. I know. I'm just going to say right this minute. That Karen, you're the first person, minute. yeah, I've ever heard say that. So, maybe you're channeling your 15-year-old. Yes, I've never heard that. We don't okay. say that. We don't, we don't say that or People. nobody does it. Nobody I think nobody but you. Really? Yes. I don't know. I think I'm going to have to look that up. I think it's in the Urban Dictionary. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Alexis had had some animosity towards Ryan. So the next day comes. Still no Alexis. Mm. Jessica's furious. And she starts calling what friends of Alexis says she knew of. Okay. Finally, by that evening... Ryan said, I think it's time that we get the police involved. I'm really worried. So he calls 911 to report Alexis missing. So a Spencer County Sheriff's deputy came out to take the report from Jessica and Ryan. After speaking to them, he decided, I'm just going to walk around the property and see, you know, if I can see anything. Like, did somebody try to break in or did Alexis break out or whatever? So he did notice that um, the room to Alexis's, the window to Alexis's bedroom was slightly ajar, but not enough for her to crawl out of. Right. So he's like, uh, I'm going to note that, but I'm probably just going to keep walking around. So he keeps walking around the backyard. It's real dark back there. And he flicks on his flashlight and goes behind a shed and he finds Alexis's body. Oh, no. Oh, no. What? Yes. Wait. Yeah. So this child has gone missing, this teenager, yes. and her own parents didn't walk around the yard to see if she was I mean, there. I think they probably called her name in the yard, but they probably didn't go, like, look through the bushes and behind the shed and all that kind of stuff because she's 15, and they're probably thinking she's out spending the night with a friend. She didn't tell us where she was, and now we're just pissed, and we're gonna, she's going to get grounded when she gets home. Okay. And that's so they were more in the mindset of she's left... Yeah. And, and hadn't left a And hadn't left a note because they'd been having these issues. So the deputy finds her, and he could clearly see that there were stabs to her body and her throat had been cut. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Oh. So, and it really shakes up this deputy. So oh. he goes back um, to the front of the house to Jessica and Ryan, and he asks them to please come get in his car. And he sits them into the car, and he breaks the news. And Jessica just keeps saying, that's not my daughter. That's not my daughter. That's not my daughter. But unfortunately, it, it was Jessica. Aww. So the police officer takes Jessica and Ryan straight to the police station. Because, A, we're, we've now got a crime scene. We, we need to remove the body. We don't want the parents to see us removing the body. It takes a little while when you're doing an investigation to remove the body. And it's not real pretty when you have to do that. So he's trying to shield the parents, and he's also trying to figure out what's happening. Yeah. You know, what are we doing here, people? Right. So they go to the station, and they interview them separately. And their stories match up pretty much. The investigators um, then set out to find this unfamiliar black SUV because they're like, okay, this is the missing link. So they find the SUV. They interview the owner, and it turns out he's a friend of Alexis. Oh. And this is what he told them. He said, I arrived to hang out with Alexis as Jessica was leaving. I saw her leaving. Okay. Alexis came out to my truck. As they were sitting in the truck talking, they saw a figure in the shadows that walked through the yard. Huh. And Alexis said, I'm going to be right back. And she got out of the truck. Ooh. 
Ooh. So he's like, okay. So he sat there for a little while, and Alexis comes back. Yeah. And she's holding a kitchen knife, yeah. a big old kitchen knife. And he's like, what the heck is happening? And she said the figure that she saw was Ryan, oh. the stepfather. He had, and they had argued about how Ryan had not brought Aria back. And Alexis was pissed. And she said, I'm so mad I could stab him. <gasps> Oh my gosh. So this this friend of hers said, listen, I need you to calm down. I need you to sit in the car and until I know that you're calm and I'm going to need for you to give me that kitchen knife. Yeah. So he said she didn't get back in the car but she handed him the kitchen knife and he put it underneath his seat. He wanted it not in her pants. Hmm. And then she said, I'm going back inside and he drove away. That's the last that he saw. That's what he says. Last I saw her. Yeah. So how was Ryan at the house when Alexis with Alexis when he was broken down in a car at a gas station? Where was his car? Where was his car? All of a sudden, some questions are like, okay. So the investigators, the first thing they do is they search the black SUV, and sure enough, there's the kitchen knife under the seat, just as he said, no blood on it, nothing looks a foul. So they believe this guy. Oh, my gosh. This is not the way I thought this story was going to go. So they call Ryan back in for some questions. Right. Because now they're like, okay, this dude's saying that Alexis said Ryan was home, and Jessica and Ryan both clearly said Ryan was broken down at a gas station. Right. So who is this person that supposedly is Ryan at the house? Dum, dum, dum. Exactly. Exactly. And that's exactly <laughs> what how the music and everything went on this show that I was watching. Right. It really did it. Because that would just be a little predictable. <laughs> Not that you're predictable, sugar. Oh. So they call Ryan in, and um, he said, I never argued with Alexis over Aria. Trout. And she, I never saw her with a knife. He said, so this guy must be lying. <gasps> oh, my gosh. Oh. So he did admit that his timeline didn't completely match up with Jessica's, but he just kind of played it off as it just doesn't match up. It's just because we didn't get the stories completely straight. Please tell your dog to be quiet. He is upset, I know, because of this story, and he can't figure out the ending. It's but very upsetting. He may not see the ending of this story at this point. He will see the end of this He's story. He's going to be baked in a cherry pie. <laughs> trying to figure out why, who's telling the truth, who, where was Ryan, where, what, who was this person in the shadows, and what's going on with this knife. The next day, they decide that Ryan and Jessica need to come in together and take separate polygraphs. Because oh. they need to know who is not telling the truth. Yeah, that's good thinking. I know. It's great how investigators do that stuff. It's almost like it's their job. <laughs> it's the craziest thing. So... Before taking this polygraph, polygraph, not polygraph. I don't even know where I got that polygraph. No, it's a polygraph. He did mention that he had been work, wearing some work boots that he is not wearing today. So they asked him, what clothes were you wearing, you know, the other day? And he was like, jeans and a t-shirt and these work boots. And they're like, wait, they're not, those shoes are not the 
shoes that you were wearing. He said, no, I've got these work boots. They got this buckle on the ankle, and that's what I was wearing. I didn't think anything of it. So the investigator says, can you excuse me for a minute? Goes and calls the people that are doing the crime scene and said, find me these boots. Oh, yeah. So they're like, okay, we're going to find you some boots. So they did find the boots. They were in Ryan's closet underneath a pile of clothes. Well, that's such a smart place to put them. I'm just saying my closet's not organized either. I, so I'm not judging anybody on that. I understand what you're saying. Okay. Because you know. they'd be like, we found one under the bed and one in the bathroom. You don't know what's <laughs> happening. <laughs> There's no explanation for it. So I'm not going to judge this man on where he puts his shoes. Anyway, they found the shoes. And they bring the shoes to the detective that's talking to Ryan. Right. The detective that found them did notice something that looked a little like blood spatter on that little ankle buckle. Oh. Yeah. And so he was like, hmm, that's interesting. So he he had a, a crime scene investigator test the blood, and it did come back as human blood and human tissue on the boots. And that's why I was saying not the smartest place to put your boots. Okay. I'm not saying this is the smartest man it's in America. <laughs> Especially if you've got a little speck of blood on them. I'm just Throw saying. the boots away. Throw them away. Well, he didn't notice the boots. The boots are, they're, they're not, I mean, he didn't. When you take off your shoes, do you hold them up into the light and inspect them every day? If I harm somebody, then yes. 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 Oh, well, good to know. Good to know she's yes. got a, a she's got action a, plan right. she harms people. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Okay, meanwhile, back at the station, Ryan failed his polygraph. Now the detective needs to draw out for Ryan what the hell happened with Alexis. So another detective joins in, and this is when I really like the psychology of the interrogation, because, you know, you've got the good cop, bad cop, and first you got the one cop, and then the other one joins in, it's like, oh, we're not one-on-one anymore, we're one-on-two, and now I'm... I mean, on the weaker side of the numbers, and it's it's all psychological. So, this detective that joins in says to Ryan, there are two types of people, guys that make a mistake and cold-blooded murderers. Which are you? Ooh. I mean, he is too. So, Ryan breaks down, and he admits to the detective, Alexis did go after him with a knife, and he said he slit at her and then just kept stabbing. Oh, just kept stopping. He dragged her body behind the shed, which is a detail that investigators had not made public. Oh. So they're so smart, these investigators, what they're releasing public and what they don't. I love it. Meanwhile, Jess is still in the polygraph room. Polygraph, did I say it right that time? She's still in the lie detector room. <laughs> <laughs> and so this sergeant has to go in and inform her that her husband had killed her daughter. Oh, gosh. Ultimate betrayal. Just Ugh. ultimate <sighs> So the murder weapon is never found, but there is surveillance footage that later shows what the story probably was. So Ryan is seen on closed circuit TV, parking next to a nearby storage facility. I'm telling you, those storage facilities, they have something to do with murder all They're the time. They're bad news. And we have so many of them in this area. It's no wonder we have a lot of murders. Just too many storage facilities. They're like on every corner. Oh, right? Yes. Think, and then oh, in look, between. Oh, look, a restaurant. Bam. No. It's another storage Story. facility. It's like a four-story storage like, facility. Where are you in there? Who's storing stuff? Do you have a storage a storage? You've got stuff in storage, Andrea? I, I have a story with a storage building. Where mm. I had to go on a case, and mm. it was a accounting fraud case, and the people on the other side were really bad guys. Mm. I had to go by myself with 
one of the bad guys in the storage facility yeah, to get did. these financial documents. Oh, and no. no one in my law firm would go with me. They were kind of laughing at me. Like, I'm like, I'm really scared to go into the storage facility. These are financial documents that are going to prove an accounting fraud. My knee, they're going to get me in there and take my knees oh, out or something. God. I've they're never taking their knees. They're going to take your heart out. I've never been more scared <laughs> in my life, but I did apparently survive. You did. Thank God. Oh my gosh, because we wouldn't even be telling this story right no. now. Huh. Sorry. No, that's, that's no. Woo. I mean, that's a storage facility. There's just it's nightmare. Just nothing Terror. comes from I agree. it. Nothing. So on closed circuit TV on this storage facility, they see that Ryan pulls up to and parks next to this storage facility that's close by their home. And he turns off his lights in his truck, not in his broken down car. Mm-hmm. And he walks through the shadows towards their home. And he is then seen later on the same TV, closed circuit TV, running towards his truck and speeding away with no headlights. Oh. So he used this as a strategy, obviously. And somebody with a plan to kill doesn't normally do that. Right, right, right. Not normally. You. You know, you go to your house, you park in your house, you put on all the lights, and you don't run away without your headlights on, and that's, you know, you just go home. But this guy, obviously, he had intentions from the beginning. So they surmise that he intentionally lured Jessica, the mom, away with the gas station story, knowing that she didn't have a cell phone, knowing that she would get there and would be confused, but this was his, this was his way of luring her out of the house. With premeditation. And so they come to the conclusion this was not an accident. This was not self-defense. This was pure, evil, intentional, calculated murder. Right. So even though the defense tried to present Ryan at trial as a mild-mannered guy that was an Eagle Scout and was (laughs) oncoming king in high school, um, even his pastor got on the stand and talked about what a great guy he was in the church. Really? Yes. Obviously, nobody bought that but them. So I have a statement that I'm going to read. Jessica made a statement, and it was too long for me to write because it was just too long. So at this hearing, she was asked to speak. And this is part of what she said. I'm sure she had a lot more to say. She said, November 2nd, 2009 has changed my life forever, and you will never be able to comprehend every beautiful memory I have of Alexis is destroyed. Your senseless actions destroyed her life before it ever started. Before she stepped down, she did make one request of the judge, which was to order Shelby to keep a picture of his stepdaughter that he killed in his cell wall. (gasps) The judge said... Obviously, she's not just dealing with the loss of her daughter, but also the ultimate betrayal of someone who's supposed to care for the family and take care of the family. And she wanted him to be reminded every day of what Alexis looks like and who she was and what he took from them and what he took from Lexi. Right. Yes. So he was he was convicted. He was convicted of murder. Good. Obstruction of justice, two counts of false informing. We'll take all of it. We'll take all of it. He is given 55 years for the murder, one and a half years of obstruction. All right. A year for two counts of false informing. He was then credited with the 960 days he had already served in jail, which really pisses me off when they do that. Sorry. I'm sure there's some legal reason for it, but I don't like it. And all of these run concurrent, which has become my 
Is it concurrent? When yeah. they all run together. That really upsets me, Andrea, law person. <laughs> former, former, former <laughs> law person. I don't understand why they do that. What's the point of even convicting somebody and giving them all those charges? And then saying, well, you're going to, it's all going to run at the same time, not 55 plus, plus. one plus two. Plus. Right. What is the point? I don't, can you explain to me what's the point? I cannot. I don't yeah, understand. I this is such a pro, I have a real problem with this in our justice system, and I don't know who to ask to change it. I don't know who to talk to. I don't know who to write to. Who do I complain to? But I've got a real problem. This, I am butthurt over. Oh, Lord, <laughs> have mercy. It really sticks in my craw. That's better. That's better. Yes. Yeah, for anybody that's under the age of 30, they're not going to understand what that means unless they've still got a grandmother. Or So anyway, Ryan still maintains his innocent and continues to appeal his conviction. Whoa, 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 whoa. He what maintains his innocent. He says, even after he confesses, well, I, she came at me and then I slit at her, which, by the way, means that he either disarmed the knife from her or he had one of his own. That didn't escape me. And he still says he's innocent, he didn't do this, and he he continues to appeal because that's his right in our law system to appeal. Now, is he claiming self-defense? He is kind of claiming self-defense, but he's claiming that he's innocent due to self-defense. Okay. It's like he doesn't even think he should be in jail. Wow. And what... Uh, so we don't know what his motive was to kill his this child. His motive is because... Alexis was on him like white on rice over this thing he pulled with Aria. Okay. And she's watching him like an eagle. Okay. And right. even though, so I guess he and Jessica had separated during that time, and then they agreed for the sake of the girls, they were going to come back together and try to make things work. And I and they were married. They had gotten married because her Jessica's last name was, was Ryan's last name, but not Alexis's. But I think that Alexis was 15 years old. She probably got a little spunk. And this father figure of hers has disillusioned her by pulling this stunt with taking her baby sister away for two weeks. And they didn't know where he was with that child. Right. So now mm. they're back together and she's got her eyeballs on him. Right. Mm. And she's probably giving him some hard talks about it. And she's probably giving him a little attitude. And he's saying, I need to put her in her place. And I guess he decided that was behind the shed with oh, her slip. Instead of going oh. to family counseling or saying, you know what, as the father of this family, I thought that what I was doing was right. I made a mistake. I'm not going to do that again. And I'm asking for you to forgive me. Instead of talking to her, he, he mm. decides, no, the easiest thing for me to do is just kill her. Just oh. get rid of her. And then I can do whatever I want. And what's he thinking? I'm going to live happily ever after with her. Sister and her mom, like, that's my thing. Not the brightest crayon in the box where it, when Ben Wink takes us back to the boots in the closet under the file books. You're right. Not You're overly right. smart because he handled everything so poorly. Yes. And I don't know if he realized it at the time, but killing somebody is forever. They don't just get back up and go, okay, I get it. You're pissed. Sorry. And then we just go back to our lives. He took that girl off the face of this earth, away from his, her mother. Who, by the way, is the mother of his other child and his wife. Like, right. none of this makes any sense. And the fact that he cannot man up and say, I did it and I'm an asshole, that really that really burns me. And I'm going to tell you, he's going on the prison tour list. I was just going to say, because I need put him on and yeah. go on the prison tour list and vacation in Indiana. We can talk to um, the judge. I would like to find out the reasoning behind the the concurrent sentencing. It's really upsetting me. 
that they, these concurrent sentences make no sense to me. Do we know is the photograph of Alexis in his cell? I don't know. I couldn't find it if it was mm. or not. But if I need to find out because if not, I am happy to mail him one every day for the rest <laughs> of my life. I'll just mail him a picture of Alexis because there were pictures in this article of mm. her. There were pictures on the television of her. So, yeah, I'm happy to do that. But this poor mom, what she's living with, it, she is a broken woman. Of course. She's a broken woman. And she is raising this this daughter this that she had with this killer who killed her other daughter. I mean, what a juxtaposition. SAT word to be in. <laughs> How about that? I'm impressed. Yes. Oh, it's the tea. It's the tea. It's my tea. It really gets my brain going. It does. It's the juice is flowing. So that's my murder. That and was good. It was a good. It was murder. a good it, bad one. It, it was. A, it was. It's really. I mean, all murders are bad, but the details and the twist kind of. Yeah, it got to me because when I was watching it on television, I actually started looking things up because I I felt like the the you know it's an hour long show with commercials, so you probably maybe get thirty five minutes right. of actual story, and it wasn't enough for me. So mm. I was looking this up and, and trying to figure out, you know, what they weren't telling me. So some of this did come from the TV. And I think it was um, it was either Dateline on OWN or it was something on Oxygen because I don't have ID Discovery anymore, mm-hmm. which really makes me so sad. <laughs> and so that's where I get my, my murder film right now. You can't even watch ID Discovery on Demand? No. Like, they, it's just done. No, it's done. I'm done. Oh, we'll set up a GoFundMe page. I think so, too. And also, I don't have the travel channel, so I can't watch any more of my paranormal favorites. And you're not going to be able to see my show. I will see your show. Like because some... I know people that have that. You know people? I know people. And I have it. I know. And oh, we yes. do know people. So yes. we're going to definitely... Watch that. Let's Which talk is, about your show. Which, yes, let's talk about segue. it. Look at us. We're like, yeah. Hollywood. So I don't have the travel channel either. What? <laughs> so you'll be over here watching with us. And, and actually, my sleepover. Yeah, my husband right now is calling it the no travel channel because oh, there's yeah. no travel right there's now. There's no travel. That's true. He's so smart. The show is called True Terror. It's hosted by... True um, Terror? True Terror. Write that down. I'm so excited. It's hosted by Robert England, who is, of course, Freddy Krueger. Yes. Yes. Did you get to meet him? I didn't. And in fact, I did reach out to him Mm -hmm. through his webpage, to his people. And I said, hey, I'm like on the show. Of course, I didn't hear anything back. Um, So yeah, I'm a paranormal expert because I'm a psychic medium, you know, and I'm a paranormal expert on this show. They're taking stories that were printed in the newspapers as true through the 1800s and up till modern day. And then they're kind of doing a deep dive on those stories, like what you guys are doing with these murder stories. They're taking a thing and they're saying, okay, were these stories actually true? What was going on behind the right. scenes? Did they end up just being legends? Did they, sure. you know, what was really going on that a newspaper actually reported some of these yeah. crazy things? And I will tell you the stories that I'm involved with. They are fantastic. Oh my I can't gosh. Wait. Fantastic so stories. So this air on the travel channel, on the no travel channel? Darts March 18th. Oh my gosh, that's the day before my birthday. Happy birthday to me. Yay! Yay. It's a great birthday present, to be honest. I'm I'm impressed again. Yay! (laughs) That's very exciting. So when we went to talk to Carol, our friend, um, she's a mutual friend, we did a shorty with her, and we talked about how she's never seen the movie Practical Magic. Oh, 
I know. Which is we one love of our that movies. Yes. So we were thinking that our friend Farmer Katie, another yes. friend, could maybe do an outdoor screening of and on like on the side of one of her be buildings, yes. and we could do like a campfire and love that idea. Do a little sisterhood of practical magic. I screening. love that yeah. with the goats because yes. Katie has goats. Yes. Yes. yes, with the goats involved. Although I think they get put to bed when it's dark, but that's okay. They can stay up. <laughs> and like Carol's that night. daughter has the projector for the outside yes. movie. Oh, and then we just need yeah, a speaker. We, need a, we can rent a speaker. It's easy to do. And then we can just do like a little screening. And I'm thinking it might also be fun to do some of these shows. That, that would on. be fun. Yeah. That would be fun. Far, Katie has no idea what her life is like in the next couple of weeks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she has no idea. Will they send you a tape of it? or No, I have to figure that out. And I have, what, like a couple days to do that. Well, to please feel free yeah. to come watch it on my TV. Yeah. Yes. Thank so you. Fun. That'll be my birthday. We'll get together on my birthday and we'll do, we'll watch it. Yeah. That'll be so fun. Hopefully all my parts aren't edited out. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like that episode of Friends when Joey's part is yes. edited out. Oh. <laughs> um, Everything we talk about relates back to Seinfeld or our, our friends. Oh, friends. Yes. Yeah, right. <laughs> or our, our small community of our psychic medium friends. That we met through Carol's class. Everything ties back to that. And by the way, everything ties back to Mark. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Can we have water. some more water, please? Absolutely. Thank you. And then, Shoda, after you hydrate our guest, yes. I would like for you to tell us where you are and what you've done on your mini pass. Okay, I'll do it. <laughs> I will do it. So, um, one thing I can tell you about baking pies, this wonderful company called Pillsbury has <laughs> mastered the pie crust. And it's crazy because the stores seem to still have pie crust. They do. And even though we're all out of toilet paper and hand sanitizer and meat and, and meat. frozen food. Right. Yes, at all the grocery stores. They still have pie crust. Coronavirus, yes. they still have pie crust. Yes. So there's not a run on that yet. Yeah. So I just used um, Pillsbury pie crust. And I took a ramekin that I have. Um, it's actually a one cup size ramekin, but it's a, it's a, measured it by my eyeball. With the muffin pan to make sure it was big enough and it would have enough room. So when I cut around the ramekin, there was enough to push the pie dough down and still have a little bit of an edge. Okay, so you're making this in a pot. I'm making muffin. it in a muffin tin. That's brilliant. Yeah. I was wondering how you're going to do that. that. Muffin tin. Brilliant. Yes. yes. I love Thank that. you. Thank you. Sometimes that girl, she's just on fire. Um, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so the apple pie, um, I just did apples. A little bit of sugar, a little bit of brown sugar, some vanilla, cinnamon, nutmeg, and though the recipe doesn't call for it, butter. Uh, um, yes, because butter makes everything better. It does, and nothing nothing goes good with no butter. Yeah, you can't have butterless pie. That's true. Who's ever heard of that? I never. <laughs> and then I'm doing a cherry pie, um, and I use frozen cherries because I'm not going to pit. Um, fresh cherries, oh, that's just not who I am. That's not who I am either. But, that's not who we are. But feel free to if you your own want cherries. to. Yeah. So um, I got, that's just cherries, sugar, cornstarch. Got those together. And then I put a special decoration on each of my pots. I'm so excited. We'll oh, see what happens. No, I can't wait. The picture's going to be awesome. We'll see what happens. Uh, so far, you've, you've knocked it out of the park. I know, but there's going to be a time when I don't. This could be the day. Well, there is day. something called... Yes, Photoshopping. <laughs> yes. 
So we still have time. The pies are in the oven cooking. And now I think that Andrea should tell us a story about murder. This is so exciting because Andrea came with her own murder. I do. I come across my, my own murder. <laughs> she, yeah. I do. I've got this murder for us, so. Okay. The floor. Are you ready? This ready, murder, ready. I realized on the way over, we are coming up on the 100th anniversary of this murder. Wow. So, Ironical. Ironical. It's crazy. I know. I know. So it's April funny. April of 1920 is when this event took place. This is a murder that is in my family. That's crazy. In Fayetteville, West Virginia. All right. Up in the mountains. Up in the mountains. Now, back in 1920 in West Virginia, Fayetteville was actually a booming, booming town uh, because of coal mines. Oh, okay. My great-grandfather uh, was a newspaper man in the local little newspaper shop. He was also a United States congressman. Oh, people, fancy. Fancy, fancy, right? People loved him. All the, He was a working class kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and the miners loved him. He was very pro-union, which that was a big fight going on back then. But the working class of people absolutely adored him. Nice. Yes. He had a bunch of children. His oldest daughter was named Della. Della, oh, that's named, nice. Della Taylor. Uh, and as luck would have it, the way the property was laid out, my grandparents, no, I'm going to say my grandparents, but these are my great grandparents. Okay. Right. They had property right next door to my granddad's mortal enemy. <gasps> like oh. the Hatfields in the yes. place. Oh. And the property next door was owned by a judge. So oh, also no. a very powerful, influential yes. man. Oh, wow. The judge versus the congressman. Exactly. Ooh, they hated each other. And in That's fact, awesome. there were constant letters in, in the um, newspaper that would be printed about them going back and forth on politics. And oh the judge was accused of being corrupted. <gasps> so, you know, oh, lots of wrong. animosity there. Now, the other interesting thing about my family is that my great-grandmother was a medium. <gasps> What? And they would always hold seances at uh, their house in the parlor. In the parlor. And it was very formal. Yes. They would draw the curtains and they would light candles and they would hold hands in a circle. And people would come from all over the state to attend my grandmother's seances. That's cool. So some of the ancestors or the descendants, I should say, that think grandma was real. The real deal. And the other half of our family thinks she was making the whole thing up and she had a cane under the dining room table. Oh. She would be rapping on the table and be like, oh, that's a sign <laughs> from the beyond. Oh. So, so we don't know. Uh, but uh, Della, when Della was 18 years old, she falls in love Aww. with the wrong guy. Oh. <laughs> she falls in love with the judge's son. <gasps> That is scandalous. It oh is scandalous. God. It was totally scandalous. <laughs> that is crazy. Now we got Romeo and Juliet. We yes. do have a Romeo and Juliet. So the judge's son is named William Bennett, but he went by Bennett. All right. So Della and Bennett run off together. Oh, my goodness. They end up getting married. They come back. They end up living in the judge's house. Oh. Okay. Now, right during this time, too, Prohibition just hit. Mm. January of 1920, Prohibition hit. But up in the mountains of West Virginia, long before Prohibition was hit, hit came about, people were making moonshine anyway. Yeah. And selling it, but not, not doing it illegally so they wouldn't have to pay the taxes. Sure. So the federal government was always coming into West Virginia to try to catch these people selling illegal moonshine. 
Now, the irony of all this, well, I don't know, tell me if this is ironical or not. I will let you know. <laughs> One of the judge's duties uh, was that when liquor was legal, you had to go get a permit to sell liquor. Okay. And who was the one giving out the permits oh, but the judge. The judge. So he got to choose who got to sell liquor in southern West Virginia. Right. So I'm sure okay. some bribery was going on there. Uh, a little bit. Raising the palms. Right. But he's the guy. So after Prohibition hit, nothing really changes with the liquor distribution thing. People were still, there was rumor that the judge was still involved and still overseeing who got to distribute illegal liquor. Wow. wow. Interesting. Interesting. Yes. So it was alleged that he was in charge of what was called the whiskey ring. Oh. So once liquor is illegal, not, now we're talking about these people running moonshine. It's more like drug dealers today. Absolutely. Sure. You know? And it was dangerous. Yes. And it was very dangerous. And when you have the feds coming after these drug dealers, these moonshiners, whoever had the fastest car would be... Who won? Sure. So a lot of the moonshiners would have to run, like make these whiskey runs and be dodging the feds. Um, so moonshine running, I mean, it sounds a little funny. It was dangerous. I mean, it was like Absolutely. running drugs yeah. today. Oh, yes. yeah. Definitely. And there were these shootouts. It was rough. So April of 1920, uh, Della is living in the judge's house. And Della is newly pregnant. Aww. Not sure that was, like, totally known yet. Um and Della and Young Bennett are not, they're having a very tumultuous marriage. Uh-oh. Yes. And Della was prone to bouts of depression um, every now and then. But she also, being newly pregnant, her hormones were probably off the Well, And she's, chain. Also, she's also living with a family who ha- has never been friendly with her family. Right. And she's not able to see her family. And she can see her, probably her property. Yes. But knows that she's not welcome there. Right. And she's estranged from her family. So I'm sure there were so many layers right. upon layers of, of issues that would cause you depression right. and the pregnancy on top of that, which now she's not being able to share with her siblings, her parents, her grandparents, right. multi-generations in her family. They don't know. She was disowned by her father. So oh. that's just awful. She was disowned by her father. But not necessarily the siblings or the... But yes, there was sure. a lot of animosity. And here she is living in the judge's house, and it was just terrible. And her husband, this one Saturday afternoon, says, I'm going to go run to town. And that was... What that meant was, I'm going to go make a whiskey run. Oh, right. Okay. And she begged him not to go. Because one, she wanted him to get out of that business. And she was knew, knew it was dangerous. Um, but two, we don't we don't really know. We don't know. She was just saying, "Don't leave me alone." So we don't know if she just didn't want to be left alone in the house, or didn't want to be left alone with the judge, the judge. who doesn't like her. Right. So we don't know. Uh, we don't know what was going. But she's like, "Don't leave me alone. Don't leave me alone. Don't leave me alone." And he's like, Rah. "You know." He goes off. Um, he returns several hours later, and Della is found lying on the floor of their bedroom. With a gunshot wound to the head. Della. And a suicide note in her hand. Oh, no. And he, young Bennett, her husband, goes crazy. He starts wailing and wailing and wailing. He runs out of the house. There was nobody else in the house. Apparently, there was an eight-year-old girl who happened to be on the street. And he said, run, get the doctor. You got to get the doctor. But he's screaming, it's my fault. It's my fault. It's my fault. Oh, no. So by the time... uh, Della's dad comes, 
comes with the doctor. Now, this is 1920. People are, there was no sense of preserving a crime scene. Uh, right, yeah. right. So they get Della, they pick her up, they put her on the bed, they lay her out. Um, her father looks at the suicide note and confirms, yes, that's my daughter's handwriting. Oh, oh my gosh. Wow. Meanwhile, young Bennett is just distraught. He is screaming, it's my fault, it's my fault, it's my fault. The doctor says, wait, hold up. She doesn't just have one gunshot wound. She has two. <gasps> oh, no, that's tricky. Oh, no. That's hard. Very tricky. It's hard to shoot yourself twice. It is, especially when one gunshot wound is clearly from close up, and the other one is from across the room. Oh, no. That's very tricky. So the doctor looks around. He finds evidence. I don't know what the evidence was, but he does find evidence that she was shot from across the okay. room. One's close up, one's from across. And you could tell by the way the bullet, I Absolutely. guess, came in and out. But there was also... Gunpowder. There was something else in the room. Right. So the doctor says, get this wailing man out of here who's claiming it's my fault. It's my fault. Sure. And get the police, get everybody in here. Now we've got a crime scene. Yeah. Because it is impossible to shoot yourself from across the room. It is a little Unless tricky. you get some elaborate. So I don't know. Yeah, right. you can elaborately, but then it would be, be really difficult to shoot yourself from across the room and then shoot yourself in. The head. Yes. Because there's <laughs> yes. going to have to be more than one gun, and that first gun blast is going to have to not wound you mortally or incapacitate you. You know, as an aside, I did run this case by a friend of mine who's a retired homicide detective. Oh, and he said, actually, there are some strange things that can happen when a gun, like maybe the gun could ricochet and oh, go off again. Right. But he said, what type of weapon was it? And I told him what type of weapon it was. He went into his garage. He showed me the type of weapon. He did a whole video <gasps> on so how cool. it would be impossible for this gun to go off twice without a oh. human being standing Right. And actually right. shooting it twice. So she couldn't have accidentally shot herself twice. He oh was like, gosh. it's physically impossible. Okay. So we now we cool know. Friends. You have cool friends? Yeah. Now we know we've got murder. We, murder. Don't have, we do not have a suicide. No. Wow. Young Bennett gets arrested. And he, because he's claiming it's, it's, my, it's fault. my fault. Right. And he was, the, he was the last one to see her and the last one to come back in and find her. Right. Um, he claims, though, he pleads not guilty. Oh. Now, he says, I didn't do it. I know I was saying it's my fault, but I am not guilty. Sure. I'm like, okay, well, if you're not, who killed Della? Um, the townspeople at this point, this murder makes headlines because we have a congressman's daughter. Sure. Found dead in his enemy's house. Oh, wow. So the townspeople who love their congressman uh, get very upset. They're convinced that the husband did it, that young Bennett is the one who did it. Right. And he's just not fessing up. Um, and they're really like, okay, let's get this trial going. We want to see what happened. So they bring in, they obviously can't have his father, the judge, preside over his right. son's trial. So they bring in a special judge. They bring in special lawyers from other parts of the state to make sure this is a fair trial. Okay. And the townspeople are just like hundreds of people show up for this trial in the morning that it's going to start. And the courtroom's not opening, it's not opening, it's not opening, and people are getting like, okay, what is going on? We're ready to hear some evidence, and sure. if he didn't kill her, who did? What's the defense going to sound like? Right. Suddenly the courtroom doors open, and all the people are told the trial is off. <gasps> because wow. Bennett 
changed his not guilty plea to guilty. Oh, what? Yes. No way. But it did not come with any sort of written confession. It didn't come with any sort of explanation of what actually happened. So the people actually get upset because they're wanting to hear what happened. So they go away. Now, back in that time, you could buy a pardon from the governor. Yes. Oh, I love but that. There's a trick. You have to either plead guilty or be convicted of a crime first. Yes. So the townspeople start to realize, wait, if he pled guilty, his daddy can run up, this powerful judge can run up to the governor, buy a pardon, and come get his son out of jail. Absolutely. The next day. Yes. So now we could have a murderer who literally spends like buy a pardon. You could buy a pardon. Yeah, and I thought the term was beg a pardon. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know you had to buy it. I thought you just had to beg. I might beg your pardon. I'm yep, buying your pardon. Now. Let's change it. <laughs> I buy your pardon. <laughs> wow. That's so crazy. The townspeople, uh, very upset. There's lots of murmuring. Everybody leaves. Bennett is held at the jail that's right next to the courthouse. Just to give his dad time to go up and buy the pardon, right? Uh, that's what they're assuming is going to happen. That night, about 30 or 40 cars <gasps> go around the courthouse square with their lights off. <gasps> oh, the headlights off. It's bad news, people. It's something bad's coming. The people in the lead car stop. They all stop. All cars stop. People in the lead car get out. They go around to the prison guard, knock him out. Oh. oh, steal his keys. Uh oh. Go back into the cell where Bennett's being held. Uh-oh. Put a bag over his head. <gasps> but he thinks these are his dad's buddies coming to get him. They're breaking him out, and the pardon's already been gotten, or something that he's. It's yes. time for him to leave. So he goes with them willingly with this bag over his head. Yeah, that would be a tip off for me. Yeah, they yeah. The people they right. don't back me. They put him in the car. The whole procession of cars proceeds out of town a few miles, and they lynch Bennett. (gasps) They kill him. They hang him him before he can get his pardon and get out of jail because the people were convinced that he was the one, that he did it, and that he was going to get away with murder. Now, in the meanwhile, after Della's death, my family was carrying on seances, trying to get in touch with Della. Did Bennett actually kill you? Who killed you? What was happening? Nothing. Radio silence. Dead silence from Della. Literally Literally dead silence from Della. The night that Bennett died, the next night, they had a seance. Della came in. (gasps) And they said that a blue light came into the room. It shined on her photograph. And her voice rang out. And she said, my killer is not on this plane. Oh. Now, what the heck is that? On the plane? What (laughs) What plane? So is she saying Do that we have planes? I don't we think get planes. So. I'm gonna have to look up when Orville Wright and the Wright brothers flew their first plane because I don't. I think that was telling the future. Well, we don't. We know what she was talking about. What right. she's saying? It could be like the plane of the Earth or the world or plane of existence that she's on, and her husband is with her now. And right. she's saying, my killer is not with me. You guys got the wrong guy. Della needs to be more specific. FYI, right? December 17th, 1903. So there were planes. <laughs> so there were planes. 
But I don't think that she was talking about that one. I don't either. (laughs) No. I believe Della because I think this smells very highly of the judge's work. (gasps) See, that's what so many other people think. Yes, it smells like the judge. I think that he forced her. I think he said. To write a suicide note. I think so, too. I think he did. And I also think that he was pissed off that she was preggers. And God only knows that could have been his child back then. <gasps> That's what I was thinking. I, I think he's a dirty dog all around. Dirty dog. And I think he went to Bennett, convinced Bennett, listen, I'll buy your pardon, just confess, and we'll get this whole thing. We'll just be taken care to of. save himself. And Bennett trusted his dad and knew that he didn't do it. So that's his out. And I think the judge is a dirty dude. Uh, you know, you have nailed what other people think as well. My dad thinks the same now thing. Now I'm in your family. You are. And <laughs> our detective friend yes. the same thing. Oh, yes. So good detective ready to get our license. Sister Sloots right oh here. Oh my gosh, people. we're opening an agency. <laughs> yes, and there will always be cookies and muffins. Oh, yes. <laughs> and pie. And pie. On pie day. Well... Yeah, wow. that's uh, it's a it's a horrible and story. And that's it. It's a horrible story because both of them ended up dying. Uh, yes, just Romeo like and Romeo, Romeo and Juliet. Juliet. Um, and I I do want to make Virginia style, right? I do want to make um, a comment. Yes, about how like about the legacy of murder because there right. is one. I'm sure there is, and there is. It's not. I mean, of course, you have the grieving families immediately, but after that. Um, Della's dad, I mean, he just, his heart was broken. And he was not a great loving father that he had been to the remainder of his children. I'm sure. He was very cold, very removed. And my grandmother, whose name was Hattie, she was Della's, the next sister down. And she lost her older sister, who she loved. Of course. But she then also lost her dad. Yes. Because suddenly her dad wasn't there. And I wonder if there was animosity towards towards the dad because he had disowned her. And perhaps maybe the thinking after a while could have been some bitterness towards him as well. And I'm sure he had horrible guilt. And men back then probably didn't admit to guilt so easily. And so it became anger. It became... Um, pushing people away, right, and being mad at the world, right. And he was still a public figure, right. So he was a congressman, um, but from what I understand, my grandmother just never she she could never get the fatherly guidance and attention I'm that sure. she needed, and she also. Because her parents were in such grief. So yes. she's opened up spiritually. She's got a lot of connection with the other world coming through and doesn't right. know what to do with it. She became a raging alcoholic. Of oh. course. And her behavior was a bit wild, let's say, um, for the rest of her life. And so she raised then two children, my dad and my aunt, uh, who had bad childhoods. Yes. And she died relatively young, so I never got to meet my grandmother. Um, but there's just this legacy down through the ages sure. now of sort of these not having father figures, alcoholism, and just some bad 
Yeah, so that's that the emotional side of yep. things. And it makes yep. you wonder um, what what legacy Bennett's family has lived through because of the 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 murder. And they're not on the victim side. They're on the other side of it. And it just makes you wonder, what's that legacy? Well, you know, that... It's it's very sensitive. Like the Bennett and the Taylors living right next to each other, and they're still descendants of both in Fayetteville. Sure. Um, but the Bennetts and their family think that my family staged the lynching. Oh. That it was my family that was behind Bennett's murder. And honestly, Andrea, it, it's not far fetched. You know, it's not far fetched. No evidence, but there no, you're no not evidence. absolutely. But, but then that's also that's another legacy that hangs right. out there. Right. For generations to come, and right. I mean, it's a cloud over everybody. And which brings up the point that murder is not a one-victim crime. Right. For every victim of murder, the ripple effect through their right. family, their friends, their town, their that legacy lives on forever. Yes. And so I, that makes me so mad when we talk about concurrent sentences because the ripple effect should also appear in the sentence. Don't you think? Absolutely. Don't you just think? Yeah. It's Let's just start. Early. You you go and make that that. Film. I'm going to start a letter writing campaign. I'll get the form letter out, and you all can just send them. And by the way, Ryan Shelby will be getting a picture of Alexis for me <laughs> all the time. I'll have to go. I'll have to drive to other cities and states to mail it, so you can never find out where right. I'm from because I'm a big chicken. But, you know, I'm going to do it. I'm ballsy enough to do it, just not ballsy enough to let him know where I live. Yeah, that's good thinking. Yes. Well, Andrea, thank you so much. That is a great story that you have given to us. It's quite a gift, and I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on. This has been wonderful. Sugar, what is the status of your pie? Well, I'm going to tell you that, but first, let's just let Andrea say, because she's already told everybody that she's a medium. Yes. We so need to what if somebody to wants to go learn. for a reading with Andrea? And we want to know all of your talents, not I just Let's don't hear hold it. back. Just give us like, a tsunami <laughs> of all all things Andrea right now. Thank you so much. You can find me at andreasaintamon.com, which is A N D R E A S A I N T A M A N D dot com. Um, most of my work is remote. So you do not have to be right next to me. In order to get a reading, you don't have to be in person. Um, most of my work is on the phone or video. So mediumship is I connect you with your loved ones, including pets. I had just like a dog reading yesterday. Um, we'll pass oh, oh, oh. Um, But I also do psychic work. So I read, you know, people like, I just need help with my life right now. What's going on with my energy? How do I better align my life with who I am? I do deep soul readings and... um yeah, I coach. I use that to coach people into a better, better, better spot. Yeah. Do you do yeah. workshops, things like that? Do you ever do like group I readings or workshops or do do group readings? Crowds. I do crowds. I do crowds. <laughs> I do group do groups, and um, that can be online or okay. in person as well. Okay, so just reach out. That's yeah, wonderful. and we'll put her information. Um, on our Facebook page when we drop the episode. Yeah, and I'll also so, put it on Instagram. Yeah. Thank put it on you. Insta. Thank you. That's there what you we go. do. Yes. We do Insta things. This has been so much fun. Okay, so uh, my pies didn't turn out too bad. Um, I'll be the judge of that. But, but, <laughs> but, um, so cute. my cherry pies um, boiled oh, over. I think that oh, I think it looks amazing. Oh, look 
how cute and they are. And then I so made cute. the symbol for pie. I love that. That's so cute. <laughs> yeah. So they're they're pie pies. They they're are pie pies. pies. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because yes. I'm I'm ready to get my grub on. Absolutely. What about you, trout? Trouty. And just for the record, trout is not in the pies. Yeah. Trout. 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 We just, just dig in. Just, just dig in? Yeah. Do I have to use a fork? No, you, you can, can pick one up and just, just put it in it. your mouth. It's going to be hot, though. Oh. Mm. A little yeah. bit hot, yeah. So oh. I'm not sure how to make it so you're cheer- Maybe I should have mm. put less. Oh, my God. That's the Is it good? It's the, the butter. It's the butter. Yeah. You taste the butter. I'm going to taste brown the sugar, cherry, but I'm, the not butter. Gonna, yeah. I'm not going to eat the cherry. I'm going to just taste around the cherries. Right, because you're still on a soft diet from your... From your issues. Got some issues. <laughs> Intestinal. Less fortitude in my oh, t- intestines so than I thought. So it was a lot of fun to make it in the muffin tent. Mm-hmm. They're so oh. cute. Oh my God. Cherry is so good. Oh, so, so good. Glad. I'm so glad. Very good. Mm. All right. Well, that's it. That I hope it. everyone has a wonderful week and that everybody's healthy and safe and, and happy. Plenty of and products. Not murdered. Don't get murdered. Mm-mm. Don't mm-hmm. get murdered. Don't that's gen- that's generally good advice. Yeah. <laughs> you know, don't it may get not murdered. seem evident to everybody. <laughs> so, and then everybody out there, stay sweet. What's your listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.